Hey, sci-fi fans, this is Sam Whitworth from Force Unleashed, Battlestar Galactica, and Smallville, and you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Live long and prosper. Bad feeling about this. So say we all. This is going to get pretty interesting. Divine interest. Oh God, oh God, we're all going to die? Only try to realize the truth. You are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, and now, from the end of the universe, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows, here are your hosts. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 93. I'm one of the hosts of the Sci-Fi Diner, Scott Herzog, and with me tonight is... Kevin Batchelder. Yeah, who is not really one of our co-hosts, but is guest hosting tonight, lent to us especially from tuning into Sci-Fi TV Podcast. Kevin, welcome <laughs> to the show. Oh, thank you very much. I'm a regular listener. I always enjoy you and Miles, so hopefully I won't screw things up too bad. <laughs> Miles, of course, if you didn't hear on the listener feedback episode or the Sci-Fi Rewind, depending when I aired those, Miles was in an accident earlier today in which he uh, had a little encounter with a telephone pole and his truck and some ice and it uh, didn't bode well for the truck. Miles is fine, a little bit shaken up, and he opted to step out of the show tonight just to kind of deal with that. Uh, and that's... That's a sickening feeling. I don't know. Were you ever in an accident before, Kevin? Yep, been there, done that. I know the feeling very well. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, there's all sorts. There's money issues. There's just being in an accident, period, and uh, it's not fun. So our thoughts are with Miles tonight as he is not joining us in the Sci-Fi Diner because of that. But he'll be back in uh, two weeks, and we'll be and uh, we'll back on the show as a regular presence there. So not that not saying we don't like having you on, Kevin. Just that you know, Miles is regular. <laughs> yeah, I'm only keeping the seat warm. I understand. Yeah. Um, by the way, and I did kind of hint to that we are going to a biweekly format until June, which will start the weekly format back up. And the reason for that is, and Kevin, I don't know you. You were in on the listener feedback show when I did talk about this. The reason is my wife runs a nonprofit called the Haitian Connection Network. And, and um, we're at a phase in, in that work where she kind of needs my help uh, from the computer end of things and from some of the digital stuff that we do. And I said, you know what? I can easily um, – I, I can cut the Sci-Fi Diner back to every other week and still put out a fair amount of content and uh, and help you out for a little bit and then pick it back up um, in June. So I'll be uh, – Working with the nonprofit that she's running in Haiti, it's an educational endeavor. So if you haven't ever checked out the Haiti uh, Connection Network dot org, check out the website. It's an educational endeavor which is very close to my heart as a teacher. Um, and for those of you who don't know, I do run a teacher podcast called the Fireside Book Chat, and also run a Haitian Focus podcast. So it's kind of a, a, a marriage of those two, I guess to say. So all that to say, that's. Uh, that's why we're going bi-weekly for a little bit, and then we'll be picking the weekly back up starting June when I have a little bit more time and I'm out of school, and hopefully we're over this hump with her a little bit. But <clears throat> so yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of her work. Uh, have you, you you know you know my wife does that right? 
Yeah. No, yeah. I've seen your yeah. tweets about it. Follow some of the links. Learn some stuff. I encourage yeah. all the listeners to do as well, yeah. Scott. That's certainly something. Yeah, we don't often talk. Lot. Yeah, we don't often talk about some of the nonprofit work, but certainly a nonprofit that we support, the Sci-Fi Diner, and Miles and I support, and as an endeavor, they certainly after the earthquake certainly need a lot of help. And I know that there are a lot of places. There's a lot of good nonprofits out there. So. You know, pick out a charity that resonates with your heart and support it, and that's this is the one that kind of we work with. We are getting we're, we're at episode ninety three, so that means seven episodes away from episode one hundred, and that's a milestone. I know that tuning into Sci Fi hit that a while ago, right? Uh, yeah, we're around one twenty five, so wasn't yeah. that long ago? No, not a long ago, but so we're, we're about to hit episode one hundred, and a listener question for this week, and actually for the upcoming weeks, is. What do you think about the current format of the show? What do you like? What would you like to change? And um, and any big changes we make to the show will probably happen around show 100. But this is your chance as listeners to get a voice into how we how the show functions. Uh, some podcasts don't necessarily give you that voice. We like to think that we listen to our listeners. And there there already been some suggestions coming in that have already begun to implement and. and uh, and some others that we talked about in the listener feedback show. But we want to hear from you and your thoughts about the way the show is being run and any suggestions that you have. So that's our listener question for this week. <clears throat> well, Kevin, let's move into the menu tonight. And uh, here's what's on the menu. And some of this, uh, we, we're going to try and get through this in a timely manner. I told Kevin before the show started that we want to try and do this in about 35 to 40 minutes. And we'll see if we actually stick to that. <laughs> um, uh, on tonight, we have an interview with Dylan uh, Bobby, who is a creator of Pieces the Series, that, which, by the way, will be launching on February 27th, so later this week, maybe Sunday even, is a launch check uh, launch date, so you'll have to check that out, and we bring you that interview, and it'll be airing before that. We have our new trivia, and it's a good trivia with an awesome prize pack that we'll be giving away with that trivia. Um, we're going to be talking about SGU and the final episodes finally are coming. Blood and Chrome has a Facebook fan page. And Kevin, you shared some news about Blood and Chrome. We're going to be talking about that. Fringe fans may not need to necessarily worry. Um, they might. They may not. We'll talk about the Firefly Shakedown, the X-Men First Class trailer, the Hobbit cast uh, is finally assembled. They begin shooting in March, just, I guess, a few over a few weeks away. We're going to talk about Amazon Instant Streaming and Instant Watcher. And there will be no This Week in Star Trek because Miles is not here. And I'll be giving you the Sci-Fi 5 and 5 in where I share my top five moments from the Farpoint Con, which if you weren't aware we were at, you obviously were not on our Facebook fan page where I uploaded a gazillion photos. (laughs) (laughs) So it kept everyone really busy with that. Yep. Did no, you, as a as a fan, I enjoyed that. I, I could live vicariously through both of you guys. Yeah, Jay was saying, uh, Jay on our Facebook fan page was saying it makes him look forward to Dragon Con. So, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly what it does for me, too. <laughs> so so uh, we got a lot of good interviews out of that. Uh, I, Miles, I'm sure, will say the same when he comes back on. But we had a great experience interviewing Laurie Holden from Walking Dead, um, uh, Benita Friedersey uh, from uh, Chuck, and then also uh, Tom O'Pennicott from Dollhouse, Battlestar Galactica, and the upcoming web series Mortal Kombat. So had a great time with them. Great time with Brown Coat Redemption. Uh, have you talked to those guys at all? Oh, yeah. Mike and the gang. I've, yep. 
yeah, many no. times. Dragon Con last year, I was there when they showed the premiere of it, so yeah. it was a lot of fun. Uh, and Mike's just a great guy to sit down with. He's fun. Absolutely. So, yeah, great cause. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, and I guess that kind of brings us into our trivia question tonight. And uh, the prize pack for this trivia question is a is really a Brown Coats Redemption prize pack. The, it's a prize pack from them, and in this prize pack, you get a Brown Coats Redemption DVD, an autograph autograph shot to most of the cast, and a signed movie poster, and a leather Brown Coats Redemption bracelet. And this is all thanks to Mike Doherty from Brown Coats Redemption. We will be airing an interview with them next week, and that's when we'll be on, or I guess two weeks from now now. <laughs> Got to get used to this every other week format. And we'll be giving away that, so you have two weeks to answer this, answer our trivia question. And our trivia question actually comes from Jason on our Facebook fan page. So here's what Jason asked. He wanted to know what the names of the shows and the movies that are featured in our intro are. And so I thought, well, rather than me tell you what they are, let's see if people can actually name them. And so the trivia question for the next two weeks is this. Name the shows slash movies featured in the intro to the Sci-Fi Diner in order. And I'll even give you some extra credit if you can identify the speaker of the clip. So you got to at least name the shows. And then if you can name the speaker of the clip, some extra credits and brownie points there. So, Kevin, can you name them? No. You and can. I've often wondered myself. I recognize some, but not all. So I'm very curious myself Ooh. to hear the answer. Oh, good. So uh, you will have, uh, again, up until, I, I think I had the date in here somewhere. I think it's uh, March 6th. You have so a little over a week to answer the question. You can send your answer with your mailing address to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com. Call us at one 508 4343 or DM us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Diner. Make sure that you include your email. Uh, you're, you're with all entries, one entry per person. The Sci-Fi Diner is not responsible for any injuries occurring if you secretly decide to go all shiny and dress in a brown coat and walk into your local bar. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways, oh, and by the way, he also, I did want to say this, that if you choose to support the Brown Coats Redemption Charities, which I would urge you to do because you support all the charities of Joss Whedon uh, and the people from the Joss Whedon cast of Firefly Support, Go to their site, buy the DVD. They're coming out with it in Blu-ray. And you can even get, I think, a little bit off if you actually use the promo code Sci-Fi Diner. So, yeah. <clears throat> and so, I, you know, I thought the Brown Coast Redemption uh, DVD release was a good effort for a fan film. Oh, it was an amazing effort. They, those folks, you know, Mike and his whole cast and the crew, uh, I've seen them the last couple of years at Dragon Con from when it was just that little glint in their eye. They they put a massive amount of time and effort, and they really came out strong. And it's it's great to see the money going to so many worthwhile charities. Yeah, and some and some uh, and some great uh, cameos in it too, which were nice. To see. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to uh, tell them, but yeah. no, good stuff. no. But when they show when they showed that at Dragon Con, there were lots of oohs and ahs at those points. So they did, <laughs> yeah. they did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think uh, we, we, we in the interview they say this, but I'll, I will say this about the interview. We sat down and talked with them at Farpoint. They said, uh, Joss Whedon at one point, you know, nice sequel. And that's almost, <laughs> that's almost as much of a compliment as you can get, you know? Absolutely. Yep. So anyway, so if you can figure out the names of the shows and the movies, even if you don't know all of them, the prize will go to the one who can name the most of them. So again, let us know. 
Well, for our first promo tonight, I thought, Kevin, since we have you on, we'll, we'll, we'll play the Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV podcast promo. And since you're here, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do before I play the promo? Sure. Uh, much like what Miles and Scott do, we, we talk about what's been happening specifically in the TV side of things, TV shows, news about upcoming events, and some discussions of recent episodes. So we go all geeky on nothing but sci-fi and fantasy TV. Very cool. Well, here's a tuning into Sci-Fi TV podcast promo. So, Ghost infected Frank. He passed it on to the other guys, and I got it from his corpse. Right. Hello, Echo. How are you feeling? Did I fall asleep? For a little while. Previously on Heroes. You had to go and be the detective, didn't you, Matt? I'm not an aggressive person, but... Oh, man, there's just way too much on all I these like channels. Things, but only in-game. Everybody lives, Rose. Just this one. In your dreams, Nutloaf. Bite my shiny metal hat. Sometimes I get, I get vision. Walter, what are you doing? What you learned? I wish there was some way to find out what's really worth watching. There is. What? Who? What was that? Tuning into Sci-Fi TV is the viewer's guide to genre television. Where is that coming from? With its spoiler-free quick reviews and water cooler and the spoiler-filled in-depth back porch discussions, Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV is the only resource fans need to know what's on, what's good, and what's coming soon in science fiction and fantasy television. How did you get into my house? Join Kevin, Wendy, and Brent each week for the latest in genre television. I'm calling the police. Uh, you can find Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV at TuningIntoSciFiTV.com. No, seriously. How did you get into my house? Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. We have a bunch of items on the TV docket as far as TV news, a few movie news, and some other news as far as ways to access movies that Kevin will be sharing with us a little bit later on. Uh, so let's go ahead and start out with TV news, and this totally has me stoked, Kevin. Um, I'm not sure if you are. If I, I know it, at one point you were wavering about SGU. Are you on board with the SGU or are you not on board with SGU? No, I am. I'm looking forward to the, I guess it's the final 10 we're going to get. Right. We'll go ahead. back soon. Yeah, we'll go ahead and tell us a little bit about the uh, what's coming in, what's in store for us regarding SGU. Uh, yeah, as we're mentioning, come March 7th, SGU will be returning for their final uh, set of episodes. Uh, now that it's been announced that they have been canceled and won't be returning, but uh, uh, they've moved it. Uh, many of you know it was airing on Tuesday evenings, and now they're going to be showing them on Monday nights starting on March the 7th. Uh, so there's a link in the show notes over to an article, I believe it's at gateworld.net, uh, listing some of the uh, episode titles, if you don't mind those kind of spoilery things, for the next several weeks. So uh, at least we're going to get our final run. Uh, and from the teaser trailer I've been seeing on the Sci-Fi channel, uh, you know, it does look like we've got a lot of great stuff coming up here. Yeah, and hopefully hopefully some answers. I tell you what I'm glad that they're not doing here, Kevin, is they're not pulling a Caprica where they air all the episodes back-to-back. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. not burn them off and making us, you know, <laughs> yeah. burn our DVR for six straight hours or something. <laughs> right, right. I mean, obviously, if they, they canceled the series, they aren't too worried about ratings, per se. Although, airing it right after being human could be a positive thing for them. Yeah, it's, it's nice that they've given it a, a set time and then they're not bouncing it around the schedule. So anyone who is interested, if you've got a DVR, great. If not, at least you know Monday nights at 10, you're going to be able to catch them. 
Yeah. You know, I, I was I, Miles and I have talked about that when this show goes off the air, it'll be the first time in 14 years, 15 years, that we haven't had something Stargate-related on the air. Yeah. Yeah, so, that is. It's, that's a long time. So, and that's a... Uh, well, you know, I guess you could say the same thing about Star Trek, too. They had those huge run of series, and now there's no Star Trek on. Moving on to some other news. Uh, this is uh, some Blood and Chrome news. We actually have two pieces of news, and uh, this is for you, Kalos, one of our listeners who said, keep the Blood and Chrome news coming. This was uh, shared on our Facebook fan page, uh, thanks to B. Harden, who said the Blood and Chrome has their own Facebook fan page. And um, you can become a fan, and they've already posted cast pictures in costume, press releases, etc., and it looks amazing. And that's at facebook.com backslash blood and chrome. But it wasn't the only piece of news we got in. We had other news come in from other than Kevin Batchelder. And since you're here, Kevin, why don't you share a little bit about what we found out on the press release about, about, about blood and chrome, if I can speak. <laughs> yeah, actually, they did announce that the... Uh uh, production and shooting has already begun for the two-hour uh, pilot for Blood and Chrome uh, up in Vancouver. Surprise, surprise, where most productions are nowadays. They're already starting yeah. to shoot things up there and getting everything going. So, uh, you know, this this is very interesting for those who maybe don't know anything about that production, which, you know, probably aren't many of you, but just in case, this is something that's going to be taking place uh, at approximately the 10th year of the very first Cylon War. So we're going to be looking at uh, a very... You know, shall we say early on in that whole conflict? Um, I certainly think with this kind of a premise, we got a good chance that, uh, unlike in Caprica, a chance to see some, you know, some vipers, some space battles, along with some character-focused stuff. So it's nice to see that uh, it's actually uh, already moving forward, and we'll wait and see. Next big step would be finding out when we actually get to see us ourselves. You know, this is something that the uh, Battlestar universe, at least the reimagined Battlestar, and even Caprica did fairly well, was to focus on some really good characters probably Battlestar more than uh, Caprica but maybe just because we got a little bit more <laughs> to Battlestar than some of the others but the fact that you have Adama at all at odds with with, with his uh, captain and that obviously builds some good tension there I love the fact that Ben Cotton's in it Ben Cotton of course was in Reese's series and um, and I, he's probably been in some other stuff that's all that just comes to my mind right now but <laughs> But I do, yeah. I do like that. Um, oh, then uh, is in the cast with is Lily Borden, who also was in, uh, uh, I guess, Graceland Industries. I didn't realize that. <clears throat> but that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah you yeah, know, I I'm, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I'm just, I'm hoping that maybe they've learned a little bit of some of the failings of Caprica in the sense of, you know. Let's keep the pace a little quicker, maybe have a little bit of uh, battles type thing. You know, we kind of went a little talky with Caprica and didn't get some of the BSG stuff that we all loved as far as the conflicts and the, the, the cool Cylon side of things as well. Well, it sounds like they'll at least get us up in space again. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that's no, kind of cool. You know, this series has been, has been has been fun to watch because initially when Blood and Chrome came out, it was supposed to be a web series. At least that's what I was hearing. And I'm, I'm guessing because Caprica didn't hit the mark, that they were more interested in moving this up to full-scale TV production because they really know there's still a very strong fan base out there that would love to have something to latch on to. Now, is this something that we're going to get the two-hour pilot and then have to wait a year for the series to actually film? Uh, I've not seen anything myself as far as timelines. I, I think a lot's going to depend on once they finish this pilot, you know, what the execs think of it and you know whether or not they'll test it with fans or how really they'll give us a, a feel for it. I'm, I'm hoping, again, much like the missteps they did with Caprica, I think that whole idea of 
giving us the first step of the pilot and then making us wait months before we see anything else was not a good idea. So I'm hoping they don't make that mistake again. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Well, let's let's talk about Firefly. Firefly is set to air again in the Science Channel and beginning March 6th. And we obviously, both of us are Firefly fans. We just got done talking about Brown Coast Redemptions and uh, Redemption, and so that obviously plays in. Nathan Fillion came out with a side comment that stirred up a bunch of discussion. I, and I'm, I'm very interested in your in your thoughts on this. Um, you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So let's uh, let me read this. <laughs> let me read the story a little bit, and then we'll talk a little bit about this. Nathan Fillion and Firefly writers are ready to continue the show. When Nathan Fillion announced yesterday he'd love to step into the tight pants of Captain Mal Reynolds again, we of course liked his idea, but also thought, well, what's the chance of that? But today, now a couple of Firefly writers claim to say they'd also climb on board the new Firefly in a heartbeat. And could there really be a chance? It all started when James Hilbert of Inside TV asked Fillion whether Fox omitted. If Fox omitted, it screwed up by canceling the series and invited him and Joss Whedon to give it another try. Would he? Fillion responded by saying yes, but uh, but that he was wary. Yes, yes, I would examine very closely Fox's reasoning. I'm a little gun shy. If I got $300 million from California Lottery, the first thing I would do is buy the rights to Firefly, make it on my own, and distribute it on the Internet. Today, a couple of Fireflies heavy hitters popped up to say, yes, sign us up too. First, Jose Molina, Molina, who is executive producer of Haven and wrote Firefly episodes Trash and Ariel, tweeted a few hours ago that for what it's worth, I told him I'd drop what I was doing and follow. Um, and then following that, uh, Jane, was it Espenson, also co-creator of Sci-Fi's Warehouse 13 and wrote Shindig, episode of Firefly added, I'm there if needed. And Joel State also said, did you see this come through from Joel? From Jewel, yeah. yeah, said uh, she was asked if any comment on the group organized to get Nathan Fillion the rights to Firefly, would you be on board? Jewel State said it's a Pope Catholic, so <laughs> so it sounds like she's in. Uh, so this has spurred this whole thing, including these Facebook fan pages that have risen risen up. Uh, help Nathan fly, uh, buy Firefly, where they're trying to raise a three hundred million to help him buy the rights. Uh, I, this is kind of bizarre. Uh, what do you think of this? Well, as a, as a lifelong or what feels like a lifelong uh, brown coat, obviously we'd all love to see the, the, the series back in the hands of someone like Joss or Nathan or somebody who can give us a shot at getting new content. I, I think the fans are just so rabid and so excited that they latch on to even the most minute amount of, of positive news. So the idea that, that Nathan just threw out the idea that if I hit the lottery, I'd buy it, and all of a sudden you've got fans lining up Facebook pages <laughs> to, to organize it. I mean, all the writers and everyone that's ever been involved uh, that I've ever seen you know, uh, has said they'd love to come back and do it, you know, Jane Espenson or, or other folks. So you know, it's easy to say yes now, but uh, you know, we'll have to see if anything actually moves forward. But I, I think it's wonderful to see the fact even that the the show's getting rerun again on a cable station you know it's 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 just neat to even get more folks exposed to it yeah i think there's so many details that we need to be worked out i mean could he really buy the rights for firefly for 300 million or was that just some arbitrary number he threw out um you know he he obviously is doing very well in castle and it's hard to picture him leaving castle for a show that was you know made a half a season was canceled despite of what uh, you say, I know that they say they love the show, but I think, I mean, I guess the reality is that even if, and that doesn't mean he would be acting in it, I guess. 
that there are, there are too many details to I think overanalyze now. Just the cool thought that everybody still wants to do it is is that's the juice I'm going to go on. <laughs> oh yeah, I, and I don't know. Do we hear any comments from uh, Whedon himself? No, I mean he's deeply involved in the whole Avengers movie and everything. So right. I mean, I, I I haven't seen anything posted by him about it yet, but he's obviously going to be very busy there for. I don't know what's that a year, year and a half before that even hits. So nothing's nothing's happening tomorrow. In other words, yeah, you know, and something you need to do is that the cast. One of the things that made Firefly what it was was the cast, and they would just need to get the right combination of characters. You can't, you almost can't bring back the old cast after this much time. I guess you could. I mean, I mean, you could, you could, and and that's what everybody's hanging their hat on, though. I mean, yeah, uh, obviously they'd love. The story somehow brought forward, even with different ones. But you'd, as soon as anyone says something like this, uh, everyone starts looking around, going, "Well, what's Jewel doing? And you know, what's what's Summer doing? And what's Alan Tudyk doing? And you know, they start playing all these possibilities." Yeah, but they ki- they killed Alan Tudyk off. Come on, <laughs> they, they killed him well, off. Well, it doesn't it <laughs> doesn't mean that this can't be like Firefly the early years or something. You know, <laughs> right. you, could, you could make it happen. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> or they clone him. You know, something. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> There's ways around it. You know, That's right. That And, uh, you know, I guess it depends. I mean, with V hanging in the balance and the cape kind of uh, being dead in the water, uh, that frees up Summer and maybe Marina Baccarin as well. well yeah, there's possibilities there. Yeah, and there, I haven't heard too much from Simon Tan, so who knows what he's doing. You can bring him back on. Mm-hmm. But, and I think that, I mean, Baldwin's doing well with Chuck, and so, I mean, I guess Chuck's kind of a little bit in limbo. I'm not sure where that's at. How's that doing right now as a series? Do you know? The series itself is wonderful, but it is always every year ratings challenged, so nothing is, is certain at this point. Right, right. So we'll see. Uh, my, my feeling that even if he gets a right, it would be a, still a development deal where they would take a year or two to develop it, and then you yeah. know, who, who knows where people are by that time. You know, yeah. So much can change in two years. But interesting story and certainly got uh, us excited. And uh, I quizzed uh, Mike on that, Mike Doherty and the cast on that, about what they thought of it and got their opinions. So you'll hear that next week as well. Well, let's talk about Fringe a little bit. And uh, this came, uh, this is an article from Michael Hinman, the editor-in-chief of Airlock Alpha. Do you follow Airlock Alpha on Twitter? Yes. Yeah, so a lot of good things that he has to say. And he had some comments into why Fringe fans may not lose too much sleep over the ratings. And uh, I noticed we've talked about the importance of ratings on our listener feedback episodes, and you contributed to that. Did you read through the article that he shared here? Yes, I did. Yep. Hey, what were your thoughts about some of the things that he's saying here as far as, you know, ratings aren't everything? Well, it's this is one of those things that's difficult for a lot of uh, fans of shows to, to want to talk about because it's kind of the dry business side of of things, but it, it really comes down to as important as ratings are, which they are, you know, one of the most important pieces of uh, whether or not a show continues. Uh, once a series like Fringe gets into, in their case, the third season, um, you know, the, the big TV networks are looking to recover their millions of dollars invested, and that's when things like syndication rights and DVD sales and aftermarket. Uh, sales of these items come into play. So, you know, it's getting close to the point now with three full seasons under their belt where this property of Fringe becomes more valuable to the network the more episodes it has because then it can be resold over and over much like other series do to those secondary markets and overseas markets and things like that. So, yeah, you know, Fringe's ratings, as we all know, have been 
nowhere near as high as we'd like, and the move to Friday got everybody worried. But, you know, if it's able to keep going like this, the network might decide, hey, you know, give it another season, because that means it's another 22 episodes we can resell when the time comes to, to do that. So it's it's certainly nice to see folks thinking in that direction. Yeah. I think ratings were up. Uh, someone said 7% this past week, which surprises me because I, I often think that ratings are really a reflection of the week before's episode. I mean, because the reason you watch or don't watch the next episode is based on the episode you just saw. So, and I know that people really, people were really split on the, on the episode where Olivia reveals that she's pregnant. Spoiler if you haven't watched it or you're behind in the episode. Uh, it's all over the internet if you, didn't, if you didn't see it by now. You know, and so you would have thought that, you know, if people really hated that episode, they wouldn't have returned this week. But people, it seemed like more viewers returned. Any yeah, and one thing that? that, yeah, one thing folks aren't always aware of, too, they just hone in on the exact ratings number, you know, the the number of viewers or, or things like that. But but an important part, too, is is how the show did in relation to other shows. Like you were mentioning, the, sh- the ratings were off um, a week or so ago, but that was also Valentine's Day weekend when almost all shows were down for, for those set of days because not as many people were watching television going out with their loved ones or wives or husbands. So, how you know, dare they? It, <laughs> yes, imagine that. <laughs> So, you know, yes, the ratings were down for Fringe, but the ratings were down for almost everything that week. So, you know, you look at how it's doing against its competition. That's one of the things that the Fox networks have kind of done some spin on, but it's also somewhat true is that, you know, as long as Fringe holds its own against the other shows on Friday, that's likely going to be a very positive thing. doesn't need to be a, you know, ratings blockbuster. It doesn't need to pull in uh you know, 24 ratings or American Idol ratings. But if it does okay against the other shows it's up against, then things are good. Things are good. And when do they, do you know, I haven't heard this, when when, when do they make the decision on Fringe or when are we going to get an indication of whether it's yay or nay? They call those the upfronts uh, and each network has a different day they do them, but it's it's really not officially until May, I believe. Right. Um, you know, come come March and April is when you start hearing all the insiders tell you they've heard this and heard that and from a well-named source. And and they do leak some of that information early, some shows. But, you know, usually it, it comes down to the official announcements, which aren't until May. Yeah, it's rare that you get a Walking Dead where they renew it before it's even aired. Uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen that often. Yeah, or a Big Bang Theory that gets renewed for three years in advance or something because yeah. it's so popular. <laughs> oh, man. When does Game of Thrones come out? This is not even our notes. Do you know that? Uh, April 17th, I believe. Ooh. See, you're a geek, the fact that you know that date. <laughs> <laughs> well, and being, I say that again, in the most loving way. Yeah, no, and I take it the same way. But being being a TV genre show, you better believe that, yes, we're all over that. We even have a little calendar on our site that lists the dates. So, yes, I see that every day. <laughs> uh, I really should go and read the book before. Did you read the book? Uh, actually, I did not read the book, and I'm kind of glad I didn't. I'm, you know, I'm one of those people who likes to think of these franchises that exist in their in their own universe, separate from one another. So I'm okay. I'm going <laughs> to wait and see how it does on its own. Very good. Well, let's move into some movie news. And I have a trailer for X Men First Class. Did you watch this trailer? Yeah, was this one of the ones on the Super Bowl? Uh, I don't think the X Men First Class was. Or if oh, it was, okay. I missed it. It threw so many of us out. Uh, I don't yeah, remember. Was, yeah. I don't recall. It wasn't in the one. We did a Super Bowl uh, 
commercial kind of episode where he kind of played the trailers and talked about them. It wasn't one of the ones we aired, but or one of the ones we shared. But uh, and so we'll put in the show notes, and I, I'm interested in what people think about this trailer where we have where we kind of talk about you know the beginnings of the X Men a little bit. It shall be the policy of this nation to regard any nuclear missile launched from Cuba against any nation in the Western Hemisphere as an attack by the Soviet Union on the United States. The cost of freedom is always high. No one can foresee precisely what course it will take. One path we shall never choose, and that is the path of surrender. Ready for this? Let's find out. Let's talk. Let's go into some other movie news. Uh, the Hobbit cast finally assembled. There's this photograph we'll paste into the show notes. Uh, this is really your story. Any comments about this cast? Uh, well, there's some definitely recognizable names and faces. Some really upcoming, you know, up and coming actors. Some other folks we've seen. And, and as a lot of us have been saying, it's just kind of a thank goodness it's finally officially started. Kind of. Thing. Uh, yeah. Well, they haven't officially began filming yet. So. Who knows? <laughs> no, but at least they have them all together in the same place. Yeah, they have a picture of them, and you get to see all the dwarves, and you get to see uh, Bilbo. and uh, uh, So <laughs> I love the way they, they wrap up the article, and I'll paste this again in the show notes. He said, unable to attend was Peter uh, Jackson, who was recovering from a recent surgery to repair a perforated ulcer sounds gross, which sidelined him and caused a slightly delay in the shooting schedule. However, he did express his regrets of missing out. However, I suppose that we can take the fact that Oceanic Flight 815 didn't dive head first into this press conference as a possible sign this production is not cursed. So <laughs> I love that line, throwback to yeah. Lost Air. But, you know, it, it really does, we've been waiting for this for so long. When we first heard, hey, let's do it, and then they lost directors, and there's, you know, there's casting uh, lawsuits going on, and yeah. it's just yeah, nice that we finally begin filming yeah no it is it, 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 and many people think it's you know cursed in some way or because they are just so excited and it didn't flow quite as smoothly as the original yeah. you know lord of the rings did once it got started so we you know did, was it 2001 that the original lord of the rings came out the first one like yes 10 years later so it's about time this comes to the screen yep so what do you think about uh, some of the uh, rumors that have been heard that obviously we have Gandalf returning, but then we have people like Legolas and uh, that's returning and some of these other characters that don't seem to fit into the Hobbit story. Yeah, I think this is the, uh, you know, the tug and pull between staying true to the original story and the whole idea that we've already made a billion dollars with these characters. We have to find <laughs> a way to get them in there, you know, right. I mean, cameos or flashbacks or yeah. something. It makes sense for it makes t- sense for uh, you know Elrond to be in there because he's in the original story. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, some of, some of them you can easily see adjusting it to make it fit. Others, it's just a giant shoehorn to make it match what was done before. 
Yeah. Well, before we go into our interview with Pieces of Series, we have some other news that you kind of shared with me today that I thought we could at least dialogue about, and it's about Amazon streaming service and also a site called Instant Watcher. Why don't you go ahead and share us a little bit about this thing called Amazon, the Amazon streaming that just might give Netflix a run for its money. Yeah, there have been discussions or rumors or little tidbits going around for months that Amazon was going to get into the business of, of uh, competing with Netflix and offering streaming service, realizing how many people love that now. So they actually just did announce it, I think, earlier today, as you mentioned, Scott, that uh, uh, they've started up their service. And actually what it is is it ties into their already existing service. They offer something called Amazon Prime that anyone who's a big user of Amazon knows where you can sign up for $79 a year, and that way you get free two-day shipping on everything. So it's a valuable service in and of itself. Well, now if you're a member of that service, you also get access to over 5,000 movies and TV shows. So uh, when you break it down on a monthly basis, it's similar to what you might pay Netflix. So basically Amazon has decided they're going to take on Netflix and offer a similar competing service. So brand new news. I mean, ink's not even dry on the postings and things flying around the Internet, so I'm not even sure, you know. Their catalog is probably about a third of what Netflix has, but it's going to depend on exactly which titles they have as to whether or not it's a a serious competitor or just an ancillary thing to get you want to sign up for an Amazon account. And do they they offer newer shows than Netflix would? Uh, I do not believe so. Not from what I've seen so far, but we're not even six hours into the announcement yet to know. I I haven't seen anyone post a list. In other words, I went poking around today on the Amazon site, seeing if I could find a list of exactly what's included. It's not there. Every every link sends you over to their TV on demand, which includes brand new things like Bones and uh, you know No Ordinary Family and everything else. And I'm sure those are not included. So uh, I suspect it's similar to Netflix in that the shows, TV shows they'll have, will be things that have been out for a few years, and the movies will be the smaller or older titles. Right. But again, don't know the exact detail quite yet. Now. <laughs> Do you, do you really – I mean Netflix has such a huge uh, – is, is, is leaps and bounds above any of the nearest competitors. Do you really think that Amazon poses a real threat to Netflix? Uh, I do because Amazon has got you know as deep or deeper pockets. So I mean I think – and they already have such a loyal following of people who swear by them for their sales channels and everything else and their – uh, internet hosting and everything that I think, you know, this is a, a very interesting combination. If you think about it, you know, you've already, I say you, the collective you, most of us, you know, we probably buy DVDs and books and other things from Amazon all the time. So we have a, a natural like for them and what they do. And the idea of linking that into streaming services makes a lot of sense. You know, in this case, you pay them your $79 a year. Not only do you get all the streaming content, but oh, hey, I want to buy a DVD or a book. I get it shipped to me two days for free. Uh, you know, and that is appealing. I won't, I won't deny it. it's appealing. Yeah. But in order for them to really make this work, they're going to have to make it available to stream to your your, your devices, and that includes your DVD players and then your Xboxes mm-hmm. and other things. And I don't have any word on that yet. Yeah, know? no, that's this is a very fast moving and evolving industry. The whole idea of streaming content to to laptops and blu-ray players and internet connected tvs and and uh, you know smartphones and everything else so i mean it, it's all moving fast I, I do know right now the the biggest ding i see to the amazon plan is that they do not stream to uh i devices iphones ipads yet and that's something that i'm a big fan of so 
Oh yeah, my, my son, my son will grab my uh, iPhone and say, "I want to watch Voltron." He's into Voltron right now, and so he's you know talking about a rewind. I, I watched that series with him, and he, mm-hmm. you know you just you know he's, he'll watch that or watch Spider Man streaming off of Netflix, and and if he doesn't want to do it on the TV, he'll be watching it that way, and uh, yeah. and it's it's great. I rarely I thought that I would watch more Netflix when I'm running, but I find that. A lot of the titles, like when I'm working through Star Trek Voyager, I just get the title, I burn it with handbrake and then watch and then discard it because I can't obviously watch a disc in my <laughs> iPhone when I'm running. Um. Well, that's true. And there's a lot of us who are comfortable converting our DVDs, but let's face it, there's a good part of the population that just wants to touch the one button that says play. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would love if, if Netflix streaming would have a lot more streaming, that's for sure. Well, it's funny, too. I, I think I saw just before we started our call, it's not even here in our show notes yet, but that uh, Netflix just inked a deal with CBS. I just saw that. Yeah. Yes. Talking about Star Trek, they're now going to have all those streaming on Netflix. And then I won't ha- Then I can stop burning the suckers and watch them. <laughs> <laughs> right around the time you finish most of them, will, right. they'll come out on streaming. Uh, well, that's great. Well, and it, was it just for Star Trek or was that CBS in general? Yeah, there were many shows, uh, you know, old-time comedies like Cheers, newer shows like Medium, but also the the whole Star Trek run. They, they were even having things like Twin Peaks and uh, things, so they, it was a lot of CBS content. Awesome. Well, tell me about Instant Watcher. Yeah, I, I saw this one, too. I mentioned it to Scott, and, and I think a lot of you will be interested. If you, if you are someone that does enjoy watching a lot of streaming titles with Netflix, there's a website called instantwatcher.com. Um, it's not an official site from Netflix, just another someone who's a big fan of Netflix. And what they do is they track uh, all the movies and TV shows that are available on Netflix, and they list um, a big database. So if you want to search for comedies or for sci-fi movies or sci-fi TV shows, they can tell you what titles are in there, when those titles uh, maybe coming up soon to be on the service because the agreements that Netflix has with these content providers is for a fixed period of time. Shows are only on usually for like a year or something, and then they go off for a while and come back on. So you can look up a show like uh, uh, Legend of the Seeker, for example, Scott. We're talking about that. Season one just came back on streaming with Netflix after being off, so you know it's going to be there for another year. But you can also find out if a title's leaving Netflix in 30 days, so you watch it right away. So it's a real valuable resource if you're someone who's enjoying the streaming services. And that's instantwatch.com? Correct. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, good. Well, I think yeah. that's going to wrap up our news portion of the show. So before we go into our interview with Pieces, the series, uh, with the creator from that, let's go ahead and play our second promo of tonight. And this is a promo from a podcast called Sci-Fi Pulse. Have you ever listened to Sci-Fi Pulse? Uh, no, I haven't, but I've heard of them. Yeah, they're in, they're in, and I, I, a good friend of mine, Wayne Hall, is one of the uh, co-hosts. We met him down at Farpoint. He was one of the podcasters down there. Him and Ian, um, I forget, the, Ian Holm, I want to say his last, I might have the last name wrong, so I'm sorry about that if you're listening here. But the, <laughs> but they do interviews and news, uh, kind of probably similar to the types of things that we do in our shows. Probably more, uh, not as... Not as focused on TV like Kevin, your show is, and probably a little bit different. But this is a sci- this is a promo for the Sci-Fi Pause, and uh, you can go ahead and check out their show. This is Mark Wade. Hi, this is Amanda Tapping. Hello, I'm Steve Pugh. And you can catch them all right here on SFP Now. Jo- jo- join us at sfp-now.com. 
Ladies and gentlemen, the Sci-Fi Diner has always been fans of web series. As a fan of Sanctuary, which originally started out as a web series, we have brought you interviews with the creators of Reese, the series, The Guild, and Trenches, the webisodes. Tonight, we bring you another interview with the creator, writer, producer, and actor of the soon-to-be-released Pieces, the web series. We are delighted to be speaking with uh, Dylan Bobby. Dylan, welcome and thank you for taking time to speak with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, it's awesome to have you on. Um, now, you know, when we talked, you said that we earlier, the, uh, before the podcast started, and actually in our prior attempt at this, um, that you were from Canada, right? That's right, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Yeah, and man, Miles, all good sci-fi is coming out of Canada these days. I remember that uh, one of the producers from Brie said uh, you could throw a brick um, if you're in Vancouver, Canada, and you would hit a sci-fi actor in the head because there's so many of them. Probably out there. a sci-fi show too, for that matter. Yes. You have Stargate. You have uh, mm-hmm. Supernatural. Isn't that from Canada too? Is that am I correct in that, Dylan? Uh, I don't know offhand yeah. if they're yeah, where they shoot. Yeah, I'm not sure. I know Sanctuary is. I know the Stargate franchise is. Smallville and there's is. a Smallville is, mm-hmm. and so might as well be. Oh, oh Warehouse 13 is too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a lot of good shows coming out of there. Well, tell us, um, as uh, you know. Our listeners, you know, this is the first web series that we are seeing come out of your um, ingenuity, out of your creativeness. Tell, uh, can you tell our listeners just a little bit about your background, especially maybe in regards to film, but maybe, you know, whatever you want to tell our listeners. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I uh, obviously went to, to school in Winnipeg, but I left uh, at 18 to Toronto where I attended the Toronto Film School. Uh, I went there for digital video editing. That's what I specialized in. Um, it was a nine-month course. I finished up there, came back home. I'm currently at the University of Winnipeg. I'm trying to uh, um, own up my writing skills a bit. Uh, and um, I've never per se been in any formal f- uh, filmmaking course but uh i've dabbled in it, and this is my first attempt at doing more than just editing so i'm super excited to see how it turns out well you know there's nothing quite like just throwing yourself into something to kind of learn as you go i know i did that with podcasting when i first got into podcasting it was kind of like you just you just do it you learn the way and you make improvements as you go and and that's just i think that's that's an awesome that's the awesome it's an awesome thing about especially the products that we're putting out for the web yeah, definitely. I agree. Yeah. What do you use to, I didn't ask you this earlier, but what do you use to edit digitally? Uh, I use uh, After Effects a lot I, um, for actual editing programs, uh, things like Avid or Sony Vegas. I kind of, I have a mix of things. I kind of, whatever tickles my fancy at the at the time, I'll usually use that. Yeah. And is that, is that PC-based or Mac-based? Uh, that's PC based. PC based. All right. I know there's uh, you know P, you know directors and editors have their own babies they like to edit with. So I wasn't sure you know which, which vein you were going. So you're a PC man. That's yeah, right. I am. That's all right. We'll still have you on the show. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so, um, what would you consider to be your uh, your cinematic influences? And um, uh, also, I'm going to dovetail on it. Um, since it's a science fiction. Um, uh, what were your early sci- science fiction influences, and uh, like, uh, what are you currently enjoying right now? Uh, early on, it would uh, definitely be Star Wars. Uh, my uh, my dad um, kind of introduced that to me at, at a younger age, so that was probably my first uh, first hand experience with science fiction. Um, lately, um, it was definitely uh, Lost uh, before it finished up. Um, that was probably one of my. Uh, biggest influences for for this show as well as um for any of the the ventures i've taken into uh, um filmmaking or editing i just thought it was uh 
really interesting the way that you're always asking questions and and always um, kind of coming up with your own theories and, and different things that could be going on. So I would say The Lost is probably one of my biggest influences. Awesome, awesome. And anything currently that you're watching right now that you really like? Uh, science fiction-wise, uh, probably. So I'm still watching Supernatural, definitely. Um, I'm, I, have, I have to catch up, but I've been watching The Event as well. That's, uh, it seems like it's a good show. Um, those are probably the two biggest science fiction shows I'm watching right now. Oh, very cool. Now, you mentioned that you grew up basically on Star Wars. Did you have a favorite of the films that you like the best? Uh, favorite? Uh, pro- <laughs> probably The Empire Strikes Back, but it's, uh, it's close between that one and Return of the Jedi. Oh, very good. And favorite character? Uh... Probably Luke, Luke Skywalker. Oh, very good. Close yeah. with Han Solo, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. You need a good rogue. <laughs> good, good rogue. Um, well, tell us a little bit about uh, Pieces, the series. What is the premise for this show? Yeah, definitely. Um, so Pieces follows uh, Jacob Clark, um, who uh, has to take a trip to the hospital after a freak accident for a completely unrelated incident. But in the process of the scan, finds out that he has a tumor in his brain, which is a uh, pretty terminal brain cancer um he uh is kind of taken aback by this floored and seems to think his life's falling apart um, and at this time he starts to be visited by this voice in his head um that sort of knows a little too much ab- about him and about things that are happening around him he ignores it at first but then it becomes a little too hard to ignore and uh the audience is kind of supposed to question whether this is just a figment of the of the disease that he has or if this could be something else entirely and um, eventually it leads him to, to do a certain something, I won't spoil it, but um, that completely turns his life um, upside down and sends him in a completely new direction and on the run from the, from the law as well as the local grime, uh, gang syndicate and as well as a bunch of other things. So, so Dylan, does, does uh, pieces take place in uh, present day? Uh, yes, it does. Okay. Now, you, you, you kind of mentioned here that there's a, you aren't going to spoil it for us. You know, when you actually sit down at Miles and watch the trailer, mm-hmm. you really don't get much of an idea of what this is really about. It's kind of mysterious. Do you want to comment on that a little bit, Dylan? Uh, yeah, so the, uh, the, the scenes in the trailer are supposed to reflect uh, the way that each season opens up. So each season, or at least the, definitely season one, and I'm, I want to continue this going forward, um, will open up with a sort of montage of random, random clips. I mean, you could have a woman's face in one, and you could have a bloody drain in the other, and you could have a piece of rope in another scene, and it could be completely unrelated. But as the season goes on, you'll see these images pop up in, in all the different episodes, and you can sort of tie them all together to kind of see the story come together in its overall fabric so it leaves the audience with something to kind of play around with and guess where the next images will pop up and how they'll all tie together so that's what you're seeing in the trailer so basically these images you will see later on play out in this series yes you will yeah, okay uh man and what a disturbing one i think the first trailer the guy sitting there with the gun yeah that's the one yeah mm-hmm. that's uh wow i'm like kind of disturbing you know, yeah, it's, it's kind of, is, is that is that you in the shot? I uh, I I don't know if I should uh, give that away or not. <laughs> okay. We don't know which character that is. <laughs> oh, true, true. So uh, you don't need to give it away if you don't want to. Then, but um, <laughs> I do I do know that that you are playing the uh, main character in the show. Is that correct? 
Uh, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Well, I, that kind of brings me to one of my next questions. Can you tell us a little bit about the cast that you rounded up to do this and and maybe a little bit about each character, if you can do so in such a way that doesn't necessarily spoil the role, but you can tell us a little bit about them. Uh, yeah, definitely. So uh, I already explained uh, Jacob's character. That's why I'm playing, so I, don't, I won't say too much more about him. But uh, um, another cast member, Amber Plunt, uh, it's actually my girlfriend. She's playing um, Claire Germain, which is... Uh, I'll, I'll just say it's a character that Jacob runs runs into in, in a unique fashion. Kind of they become intertwined um, on Jacob's journey with his uh, with his disease and everything he faces. Um, another cast member, Jesse Lang, um, is playing Detective Max Edwards. Um, I can't give away too much, but uh, he uh, him along with his partner are uh, very much. Um, at the very front of the story, um, and they're involved with everything that Jacob's going on, uh, that's going on with Jacob. Um, his partner is uh, Detective uh, Carter McNeil, who is played by Trevor Christensen, um, and he's uh, partners with uh, the Max Edwards character, so them two are... Uh, it's, it's hard to say this without spoiling too much, because you don't really <laughs> find out much about them until the second episode, but... Uh, Needless to say, they're very much involved in in the main the main story arc of the story, of the of the show. Very cool, and I see that Trevor Trevor's done stuff for the Ellen DeGeneres show. Yeah, he's uh, he has a, a group called uh, TSE, um, who's led by a friend who is uh, it's led by a friend of his. They do sort of uh, I guess jackass style stunts, and uh, one of their videos, um, uh, uh, one of the cast members is standing on a, a stack of milk crates in a car drives to the milk crates and he lands on his feet perfectly fine and ended up on the Ellen DeGeneres show as well as the news here locally so it was kind of cool <laughs> oh, that, that's kind of funny then well that's kind of cool to have that there um, yeah is that is like video on YouTube can you see that or uh, yeah you can it's uh, I don't know I don't have the exact uh, um, la- uh, link to go to but it's TSE is the is the group who okay. you can find so we, we can just look that up probably and find it then I would, imagine, <laughs> I would imagine yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well, it sounds like a little bit. Um, you mentioned uh, earlier the voice. It, is it Jacob that, that's hearing this, right? Um, yes. And this this sounds a little bit. Um, it sounds a little bit uh, mysterious. It's it's almost. I can tell that. I can tell first of all that. And I know that this is. I know your show is not in any way like Lost, but you know you have the the mystery of the island, and you're trying to capture and maybe that same idea of mystery uh, permeating through your show. Um, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. I think that uh, I mean it's it's obviously two different two different entities. I mean, a voice right. and an island, but right. it's supposed to be one of the questions that you're always wondering about is whether this is real or if this is just um, the disease that that Jacob's facing. That's something that we'll always kind of be tackling in the story of the show. This concept sounds pretty original. Um, so, where do the idea of pieces come from? What what inspired you to? Uh, um to write pieces uh it's, it's actually kind of funny i i, I had a i had a dream one night actually that it was kind of really random and scattered and and i woke up and i and i was trying to piece it together as i got ready for work and i thought hey that's that's kind of cool trying to piece together my dream and figure out what the the story was supposed to be and by the time i i had driven to work i had the idea in my head that maybe that's something audiences would like and i kind of crafted the story from that I, I i find that whenever i come up with ideas for for shows or or stories or whatever it might be it's it's something that just hits me randomly one day and by the end of the day i kind of have the whole thing mapped out in my head very cool so this is actually a dream it comes from a dream that's kind of cool yeah it, it, it is it's 
that's basically where I got the entire concept for how each season will start. So I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah. Well, that makes sense then that you're starting each season with kind of a dreamlike sequence and um, and trying to put it all together. And you're making the audience kind of run through that same process of trying to figure out what's going on and it's, uh, you're kind of emulating that dream. That's kind of cool. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm going for. All right. Well, is there anything else you want to tell us about pieces? I mean, uh, can you tell us? I guess one of the things we want to know is when are you planning to drop the first episode? Uh, the first episode is planned to drop at the end of February, probably the last week of February. Um, we're on schedule right now, so I, I don't foresee any problems. If if we do run into any, uh, the most that should be delayed would be till the first week of March. But I'll, I'll, we should have an exact date to uh, to dish out over the next week or two. What for 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 you? What what has been the most challenging aspect of putting together pieces for you? Uh, actually, uh, I'll probably get some flack for it from my fellow Canadians, but uh, <laughs> the, the weather here in Canada has been probably the biggest challenge. It's uh, it's freezing right now in Winnipeg, and uh, so we we find ourselves filming scenes, then running back to to the car that we have idling so that we can uh, warm up before filming the next scene. So the outdoor scenes have been a, a huge challenge, uh, as well as the winds that come with that, but. Uh, um, it's it's getting warmer, so hopefully that won't stick around for too long. Right, right. Well, you'll soon be in the spring here, and so on. How cold? Yeah. How cold is it up there? Uh, we've hit. Uh, I mean, it's going to be in Celsius uh, since we don't use Fahrenheit, but uh, we've hit uh, minus thirty-five Celsius over the last Ooh, uh, week or two. That's cold. That sounds very cold. <laughs> that's very cold. Yeah. That's definitely very below cold. zero. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely below zero. So we, I don't think we've hit quite that cold. We've been close, but not not right. Not not, not that cold. <laughs> definitely. Uh, well, where can uh, so this episode when it drops? Where where can people end up finding it if they want to go look for this episode? Uh, it's going to be uh, posted uh, on YouTube on our channel, and then through that we're going to have it linked to uh, the websites uh, minglemediatv.com, uh, vbctv.com, and uh, uh, you can always find the episodes as well on the Pieces homepage, which is uh, piecestheseries.com. Very good. And uh, and I obviously they can find out more about uh, they can find out a little bit more about the cast and some more information about the show and keep up with news by visiting your website as well, right? Yeah, it's going to be frequently updated. Uh, the cast photos are actually probably going to be going up uh, tonight on that website. And uh, any, if you want more information about the cast or anything that's going into it, you'll be able to find it there as well. Very cool. And uh, Facebook fan page or Twitter. Uh, yeah, we do have a Facebook fan page. Uh, if you just search uh, Pieces of the Series on Facebook, it should be the only one that comes up. Right. And then you obviously Pieces of the Series on Twitter as well, I believe. Yeah, we, we do. We definitely have yeah. Twitter. Yeah, but I just, uh, I think we're following each other now. But very cool. <laughs> very cool. Well, thank you so much, Dylan, for uh, stepping in and stopping your evening a little bit to talk, talk with us about Pieces of the Series. And um, look forward to uh, watching it and seeing what you come up with. And, uh, and hopefully, uh, well, well, you know, I, I know that some of our listeners will check you out as well. Yeah, I can't wait to see it myself. Yeah, you know, it was, uh, it was great being on. Thanks for having me. The stars have secrets. Some say these secrets have fallen from the skies. The government says it's not true. But in the 40s, they created an organization to track down flyers, to learn their technology, and bring one back. The threat of peace leads Black Ridge Defense to investigate rumors of a secret organization named Division 10. 
Typhon system-wide has pushed ahead of its rivals to be the first in orbit and the first to mine the asteroid belt. But when they learn of Blackridge's investigation, they form an alliance to take control of Division 10. And they're going to take down a president to do it. As their plans come to a head, something emerges from a burning building in New York City. Something that could threaten Typhon and Blackridge victory. Their soldiers are on the way, and so are the black helicopters of Division 10. But there's another player in this game, and far higher stakes than control of a government or new technology. The Flyers are back. Enemy Lines, a novel written and performed by John Miro. For more information, visit enemylinesnovel.com. Well, welcome back to the show. You just heard our interview with the creator and director of Pieces of Series, and you're the promo for the Enemy Lines podcast. It's a it's a patio book that you want to check out by John Moreau, and uh, they are like at episode 29, 30. I probably have the count wrong, John. I know that you have a lot more episodes that are coming out. You put about one a week. It's a continuing good story, and if you want a story that reads like the X-Files, this is a great story for you. Uh, have you checked out Enemy Lines at all? No, I haven't yet, Scott. That's something i got to take a look at. Yeah, that I, I don't know how much you're into the patio books, but I've gotten hooked in some like Leviathan Chronicles I've really enjoyed. Um, it's got some of Scott Ziegler's stuff. Uh, and there's so many patio book authors. It's a great genre. And, you know, why, why spend 20, 30 bucks on an audiobook when there's authors that are delivering good quality content for free? Uh, and there's obviously ways that you can go ahead and support them on their sites, and John Moreau is no different. We want to give you our Sci-Fi 5 and 5 before we wrap up the show. And since we just got back from the Farpoint Con, which is a smaller con, uh, nothing like Dragon Con, Kevin, but it, it's a smaller, a smaller con, I thought we'd give you what are my top five moments from from the con. And uh, so these are my top five Farpoint Con moments. And if you want to know more about what happened at Farpoint Con, just go to our Facebook fan page. There's way too many photos there <laughs> that, I, that I took of it. Um, so here's, here's the con. My number one was obviously meeting and interviewing the guests. I mean, the guests are one of the things that draw people to cons. And we had a chance to sit down. I was going to say that my... Sci-Fi 5 and 5 was meeting Laurie Holden, meeting Laurie Holden, meeting Laurie Holden, meeting Laurie Holden. <laughs> but I didn't. Uh, she was one of the guests. It was just a pleasure to sit down and interview. And it was really the first con appearance that she did where it was, I guess, maybe the first fan-run con where she really sat and interacted with the guests like she did. That was my understanding. Like they said, she never really had done a con other than some of the panels you see like at San Diego Comic-Con and maybe Dragon Con for Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. So... It was kind of a new experience for her, but so it was a pleasure just to sit down and talk with her, Tamal Pennicott and uh, Benita Fredersey, and uh, and Brown Coast Redemption, as I mentioned before, and many of the other people, many of the Star Trek authors that had played of that. It was just a pleasure to sit down and talk to them. But, a lot of fun. A lot uh, of fun. Glad, really looking forward to hearing your, your interviews of that. Yeah. The, the interviews are great. Do you, now, when you go down to Dragon Con, do you guys do a lot of interviews down there, or is it more just panels and getting into the feel of Dragon Con? Uh, we don't tend to do any interviews. I mean, the, the uh, 
guests at all are, are, can be interviewed, and a lot of folks do for their podcasts. That's not something that we generally do, but it is a lot of fun. And much like you said at Farpoint or some of these other cons, they're also very comfortable down there at Dragon Con since it's fan run. So you can oftentimes just sit elbow to elbow with some of these folks at the bar, which oh, is a yeah. lot of fun. It was great because uh, you got to see some of the – even the, some of the guests I mentioned, aforementioned guests that were at the bar was great. I think the second thing that I really liked about the Farpoint Con this year was just connecting with fellow podcasters, thinking especially of Wayne Hall from Sci-Fi Pulse. Um, oh, I'm going to – Shelly from the, from, the, from the Geek Quorum. It used to be called the Battlestar Quorum or something like that. They won um, a Parsec Award one year. Um, and then Prometheus Radio Theater with Steve Wilson and just rubbing shoulders with them. It's always great to kind of connect with fellow podcasters because in a very real way, unless we do something like you and I do where we kind of collaborate every once in a while or like you do with fringe casting and kind of collaborate with that, I, I really it's kind of an isolated thing that you do. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's one of the uh, big benefits of these cons uh, is doing that, and that's what's a lot of fun. Dragon Con has a podcasting track, and that's usually some of the best fun I have is getting a chance to meet folks just like you and other podcasters face-to-face. Yeah, because <laughs> you really don't know what they look like on the air unless you can see them. <laughs> nope. you, know, you, always, you love to walk in the room and close your eyes and just listen for the voices. <laughs> yeah. uh, number three was uh, I bought at – Farpoint, something that will help grow the geek in my kids. I bought uh, I bought my daughter Spider Woman, uh, the animated series, and I bought uh, my son the 1990s Batman animated series complete. Uh, and they have been going through literally been devouring the Spider Man Spider Woman series. Uh, my daughter and my son loves it too, and also the Batman series. We started that a little bit. So. Yeah, it's it's amazing how much money you can burn in those vendor rooms, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I, I have to question the way the legality of some of these DVDs that I picked up. Just to be honest. Yes, I, that, that is true, but they are also the gold mine that you will not find anywhere else. It's true, and that's one of the arguments. It says when this, one of the things that the vendors say that when this comes out in DVD and you can buy it, we no longer carry it. I don't know if that's exactly true, but, but it was a gold mine to find them, and my kids are definitely enjoying it. Uh, my fourth moment was just chilling with Mike Doherty from Brown Coats Redemption. Not only when we interviewed, but uh, the night before, we were kind of hanging with him and his wife and just having a great old time at karaoke. <coughs> Sorry about that, yes. and, and I won't and I won't uh, sing for you now. Cause I, <laughs> but it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, Mike. So. Mike's a great guy. Having met him and spent some time with him at a couple of the Dragon Cons, you just you stick a mic in front of him and you can walk away for a half hour. Yeah, and he'll still be talking when you get back. That's right. <laughs> so, and, and we mean that in the most caring way possible. Yeah. If you're listening, <laughs> yes. So we absolutely love it. Uh, number five, and this is the fifth one, was hearing the, the linguist Mark Okran speaking about creating the Klingon, Romulan, and Vulcan languages. Because you, you hear these languages, but then you hear the then you get to hear the stories that he ha- he's a very good storyteller. Um, and so when you get to hear him talking about how these languages came into being and how when someone would misspeak a line, he would, he would have to go back and recreate that section of language because they kept it in the film because time is money, my friend. You know, um, It was just a fascinating – I would love to get him on as an interview and actually – I think I did tape part of the session. I might air part of that for our listeners. But you know, what a wonderful uh, you know, experience to hear the person that actually created the Klingon language, the Vulcan language and some of those languages. Yeah. Yeah, it's very fascinating. I know at DragonCon one year I saw a session on speaking Elfish. Oh. Elfish, pardon me. And I just was dumbfounded with how well these people could actually pull that off. <laughs> 
There are there are some levels of geekdom that even we haven't arisen to. <laughs> Just nothing but appreciation for, you know? Oh, you got to appreciate it. Well, <laughs> Kevin, I want to say thank you so much for coming on and guest hosting the uh, Sci-Fi Diner podcast with me tonight. Oh, my pleasure. I'm glad I could uh, help out and looking forward to having Miles back in this seat soon. Yeah, we look forward to it. And uh, so keep in your thoughts and prayers. And uh, as we wrap up the show, Kevin, where again can they find the shows that you are involved in? They can just head over to tuningintosci-fi-tv.com for all kinds of different content relating to genre TV. Very good. Until next time, we'll catch you later. Night, everyone.
Hey, hope you enjoyed listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. If you want to find out more about the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, please visit scifidinerpodcast.com where you can find show news, pictures, videos, and many other things about the Sci-Fi Diner. You can also find Sci-Fi Diner where else, Miles? We have a Facebook fan page, and uh, we have very active discussion going on there between uh, Scott and myself and you, the listeners. So I encourage you, please uh, join our Facebook fan page, and let's talk some sci-fi. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com backslash sci-fi diner. You can find me on Twitter. That's uh, Herzog, H-E-R-T-Z-O-G. And I am uh, Son of Worf uh, at Twitter, and I also uh, on uh, Trek Space, uh, Son of Worf at Trek Space. And Lee, and we want to hear from you. So please email us at the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com or call our listener line at 1-888-508-4343 and let us know your thoughts on what you're watching, what you like, what you don't like. We want to hear from you. You can find more great podcasts at lifestylepodnetwork.com.au.